It's the Comedy Store Tonight, starring Argus Hamilton. With tonight's guests, Maz Jabrani, Kirk Fox, and now, live from the bowels of the world's greatest comedy club, it's the Comedy Store Tonight, with your host, Argus Hamilton. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you all for coming in. Thank you all for watching. Welcome to the Comedy Store Tonight. I want to wish everybody happy holidays with the week is coming up. You know, this is a time we spread cheer to those who need a little cheering up. Just uh, last week, a very good buddy of mine was homesick for Chicago, so I shot him. <laughs> yes, sir. And we got big news. Uh, Lauren Taines is here from the rock and roll world. Keith Richards, the Rolling Stone legend, turned 75 years old today. Isn't that great news? <laughs> he said Thursday that he's quit drinking. Isn't that great? He's got his whole life ahead of him. <laughs> but you know, we have this war on Christmas continues. Last week, they were all over the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Now they're after a new one. Now they're trying to stop, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. They say it makes members of the meth community feel self-conscious. <laughs> And by the way, it's politically incorrect to call tweakers tweakers. They're Mexican Americans. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, this war on Christmas, I don't understand why there's no war on Hanukkah. I mean, you know, they're the one with the oil. <laughs> Meanwhile, get this, I, I know you heard about this over the weekend, but a plan to tax Californians for text messages was shelved today. They're not going to do it. That's good for them. The only thing people hate more than taxes is breaking up in person. <laughs> now, this uh, a few hundred miles away, did you hear about Utah? Utah has just passed the nation's strictest DUI legislation. They will now arrest you for consuming as little as half a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know Utah, they think Diet Coke is a gateway drug to Mountain Dew. <laughs> well anyway, <laughs> since the last show, I, I'm not making this up, Kanye West compared himself to Michelangelo. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because, you know, it's Kim Kardashian who did her best work lying on her back and staring up at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first Iowa political polls are in for the 2020 race, and the two leading Democrats, you guessed it, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Can't believe it. Apparently, the Democratic strategy for getting rid of old white men is to run them to death. <laughs> now, this is odd, but trust me, it's true. In Japan, did you see this? A topless Vladimir Putin calendar 
is outselling calendars of the country's top movie stars and athletes. Japanese men say it's some of the biggest tits they've ever seen. <laughs> Meanwhile, President Trump said he will do whatever's necessary to get funding for his border wall. He's even thinking about asking Mexico to front him some brick. <laughs> now this is true, I promise you it's true. Last Thursday, the migrant caravan down in Tijuana made an offer to the U.S. government. They said, and I promise you this is true, that for $50,000 a piece, they will shut up and go away. You can bet Trump's not going to fall for that one again. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, get this, a man in Oregon, this is true, broke down crying when his wife gave him a pair of glasses that for the first time in his life allowed him to see everything in color. Minutes later, the man showed his first signs of racism. <laughs> so, President Trump, he claimed that Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live, he said this yesterday, should be investigated for their one-sided coverage of him. But uh, the Supreme Court has upheld that comedy is free speech. Well, what's comedy got to do with Saturday Night Live? <laughs> I don't know. Puzzling. Well, this I just read. We'll close with this, folks. You know that one quarter of all bottled water is sold in California, which is ironic because everyone here is full of shit. <laughs> Not a proud moment. <laughs> we have a great show for you tonight, folks. We have a couple of really headli great headliners tonight. Kirk Fox and Maz Jabrani. Stick around. we got a great show. Thank you very much. I'm Argus Hamilton. Welcome to the show. It's a real treat to bring out our next comic because uh, he was one of uh, the great Mitzi Shore's, you know, later picks to become a, a regular and a star here at the Comedy Store, and he's done tremendous things with it, uh, right? Um, he does movies, does TVs. We'll talk about what he does. I don't want to bore you with his brag sheet now, but he's the one and only Maz Jabroni. Yay! Thank you. You know, I was just talking about uh, Mitzi and how right off the bat, shortly after she made you regular in the late 90s and early 2000s, we had the, uh, the Twin Towers thing. Yes. And you're Persian. Uh -huh. Take it from there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Argus, when my people first uh, told me, <laughs> you must take down the towers. No, I, uh, no, actually, Mitzi started before that with us. So this is how this is what a visionary Mitzi was. So she year, saw it coming. She saw it coming. <laughs> the Jews were behind it. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, the Mitzi in the year 2000, there was, Mitzi watched, as you know, she watched the news. All the time. All the time. So in the year 2000, 
There was uh, a, a new up conflict, the, the, the uprising uh, between the Palestinians and the Jews in Israel. And, and so Mitzi goes, I think there's going to be, this is in 2000, she goes, I think there's going to be a need for a positive voice for Middle Easterners and Muslims in the near future. This is in 2000. Wow. So at the time, I was the only Middle Eastern comedian at the club that she had. West uh, of the Mississippi. West of the Mississippi. <laughs> um, uh, and so she was. So she started looking for others. She'd seen Ahmed Ahmed, and yeah. she liked him. And then they asked me, they go, do you know any Middle Eastern comedians? And I said, you know, there's a guy named Aaron Cater. Yeah. And I said, I've seen him once at the Ha Ha. I go, I think he's half Palestinian. And then I go, and then I call Sam Tripoli up. Sam Tripoli yeah. had been trying to get into the club, and she would not get let him in. He kept auditioning, and she wouldn't let him in. So I call up Sam. I go, Sam, your last name's Tripoli. Does that have anything to do with the Middle East? Because, you know, the capital yeah. of Libya is Tripoli. And Sam goes, well, I'm half Armenian. I go, I think that'll work. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> and at the time, the booker was Duncan Trussell. So yeah. Duncan was a buddy of ours. I call up Duncan. I go, Duncan, listen, I know we're looking for more Middle Easterners. You know, Sam's been trying to get in. You think this will do it? He goes, I think it might. So he gets Sam in from that. So right. Sam came in as half, a, uh, half Middle Eastern. And then Mitzi put together a show called The Arabian Nights. Yeah. And the funny thing was, so it was me, Ahmed, Aaron, Sam, and then anybody else who had anything to do with being brown that wasn't Latino or black was yeah. on our show. <laughs> so she found an Indian guy that we'd never seen. I don't know where she got him. He was a British Indian guy who showed up. <laughs> we had him. We had um, we had this uh, a white girl who could knew how to belly dance. I mean, she put together this crazy show, and I was the whole time going. I remember that belly dancer back then. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going, and I told Ahmed. Ahmed, I go. Listen, I go. Who's gonna come see her? I go. Okay. I go. The, the thing about like having a black comedy show, yeah. there's you know a ton of black comedians so yeah. you can rotate different people in I go there's only like four or five of us so who's going to keep coming to see us but Mitzi again was a visionary and she put us together and then like you said when September 11th happened yeah. we all were at that point she would put up so what so you know we perform all the time yeah. but then once in a while she'd do an Arabian night show right. well once September 11th happened she's like no more Arabian night show you know? <laughs> she, she, yeah <laughs> she wasn't stupid she wasn't going to put our name on the, you know she didn't want to get placed to get attacked yeah. and uh, I'll tell you, you know, that it, was, it was such a crazy feeling because at first we were all worried about going on stage and then actually about like six or seven months later Mitzi goes I think it's, we're ready to put your name back up so it was down at the La Jolla Comedy Store uh oh we that's the, a naval base that's a naval base and we <laughs> yeah. put the Arabian Nights up there and we show up and the managers go listen guys someone called in and they threatened that they're going to kill you and they go do you want to do the show or not and we were like you know uh, <laughs> we go well first of all I don't believe that they're going to do it but if they were to try yeah, good press so <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did the show. But wait a minute. First of all, this is La Jolla. So what are they going to shoot? A three iron at you? Well, no. Well, you, you said, yeah, yeah, exactly. They, no, the the naval base. I think I think it, yeah, oh, yeah. that's what they it's thought. Twenty miles. That's south. what they thought. But the honest truth, what happened? What the interesting thing that happened was we were we were talking about just our experiences growing up Middle Eastern in America, and then also as like for me at first I was very uh, upset about, obviously, September 11th, and I was very patriotic. All of a sudden, I said, I said, it's been such a crazy week. I'm a, I'm a fan of George Bush's all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. And, but then what happened was, when I quickly realized that they were using September 11th as an excuse to go into Iraq, right. I go, wait a minute, this yeah, is yeah. not, like, they're doing something else with it. So then I felt the need to criticize that, 
And so what was interesting was when we do shows in La Jolla, we would have Marines come from Camp Pendleton. Wow. And they would come up afterwards and go, thank you for saying what you're saying. They really were, they were on board because yeah. they'd been over there in the Middle East and they'd met people in the Middle East in Iraq who were, you know, good people and what have you. And they were saying, they, they, they knew what we were talking about. Yeah. So we actually had one guy come up to us one time. He goes, listen, I was in Iraq and he was, he looks shell-shocked. He goes, I've been there and, you know, war is horrible. And he goes, I never thought I'd laugh about that stuff. And you guys, you know, helped us do that. So it was this amazing thing where you talk about what's on your mind yeah. and then you affect somebody in a completely different way. Yeah. Because there, there's no such thing as a wrong feeling. And as long as you mean what you say, people will connect with you. Yeah, but there is a wrong feeling, too. Because there's also times, I, I remember here at the comedy store, I was doing some jokes. Uh, I think I might have done some Bush jokes or something like that. And some people got upset. Somebody was telling me back then, they go, you can't make fun of our president. You can't make fun of our commander in chief during a time of war. Can you imagine somebody saying that about Trump? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's Trump. our idiot. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody does say that about Trump. Trump says that about yeah. Trump. Yeah, he goes, don't make fun of me. But no, but I, I had to, right? Um, but, but I had to remind, it was actually this girl who was in the front row at the, in, the, in the original room, just upstairs. And she goes, and I go, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm in the military. You're making fun of our commander in chief. I go, then I go, the whole point, they're supposed to the point we're in Iraq is to bring democracy to Iraq. So you're telling me that I can't exercise democracy in America no. while we're trying to bring democracy to Iraq? Like the whole point of the of, of America is you can make fun of the leaders of America. I go, if I went back to Iran and did a joke about the president of Iran, you'd be like, hey, that was a good show. When's your next show? I'd be like, there are no more shows. <laughs> yeah. Right? The Ministry of No yeah, Show yeah. showed up. You yeah. know? Baghdad was the only city that had a comedy club with a cemetery on the premises. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, so, no, it was, it was an interesting thing. It was really interesting to be, uh, to, to, to be able to see that when you speak your mind, and I say that to a lot of young comics, I go, just talk about what you like and talk about what's on your mind because then mm -hmm. you find out there's a lot of people that are thinking like you, right? You can't be afraid to talk about these things. You well, know? What I'd like our viewers to know, and especially this great studio audience, is, what happened? How did you decide to take this show to the Middle East? This yes. So what happened? So the interesting thing was, was so the name, so uh, the Arabian Nights. Uh, Iranians <coughs> aren't Arabs. Just right. ethnically, we're Persian. It's a different thing. We're, yeah. We come we come from the Caucasus Mountains. We're Aryan, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, not that, not, <laughs> not, not the bad. We're the original. Yeah. The original Aryans are from Iran, actually. Just, just point at me. Yeah, exactly. Not like him. We're like, and so, um, but, but of course, in America, you know, it's like if you're, you know, if you're Latino, you're Mexican, right? Yeah, and if yeah. you're, and if you're uh, uh, Middle Eastern, then you're Arab, right? And so, Iranians aren't Arab, so a lot of times we'd be doing these shows, the Arabian Nights, and a lot of Iranians would come, and they would have a great time. They'd be, Maz, we really enjoy the show, really good show. But listen, <laughs> always, listen, uh, Iranians, we're not Arab. And I was like, I know, but the lady who started it, Mitzi Shore doesn't care, and she's called it the Arabian Nights. So... We were, we were going under that name for a while. <laughs> but then, you, who, but the, then the name came out was perfect. So then what happened was George Bush did his speech, and he goes, there's an axis of evil. Yeah. And I don't know who specifically out of our group or where it was. I think there was a guy named Sean Majumder, I think, who was uh, uh, an Indian-Canadian who was hosting some show we were all doing, and he just threw out axis of evil. I think that was – I don't know who it was specifically. Somebody was like, said, how about, you know, the axis of evil comedy show. Then we thought, oh, that's a great title because that lampoons George Bush's axis exactly. of evil. 
Because George Bush said there's an axe of evil. It's Iran, Iraq, and North Korea. Yeah. So at that point, we go, all right, let's lampoon this title. We call it the Axis of Evil Comedy Tour. And we started touring with it. And me, Ahmed, and Aaron started producing it. Now, here's the catch with that. And this, is, this goes back to what I was saying about when you're a young comedian, like, how do I get going? What do I do? You can just go, you know? Yeah. So we took, so Ahmed Ahmed had gone to D.C., and did a guest spot on a night when um, Mitch Hedberg was at the DC Improv. Yeah. And the, the, the manager of the club saw him and goes, uh, hey, you know, you want to ever come back? Let me know. And Ahmed goes, I got these guys. We do a show called Access to Evil. The manager goes, let's do it. So we go on a Monday to DC, 250-seat uh, room, yeah. sell it out. Next time we come back, we do like two shows. Next time we come back, we do Monday, Tuesday. We start and kill it, and we go, listen, give us a weekend. And they go, no, we don't consider you guys as headliners. You can keep coming back and doing the off nights. You're you're murdering the crowd, but you're not headlining. Murdering the crowd, and we're packing the place. And so finally I go, you know what? Screw these guys, because we can do our own show. So at the time, I was on a TV show, so I'd made a little bit of money. So I go, guys, I will put the money up front, and then we can all, you know, be partners in this. Let's rent a theater do our own show. So we rent a theater at the Lisner Auditorium, which we sat 1,400 people. This is at the time where we were going to in D.C. In D.C., yeah. it's at, at George Washington University, I think, Lisner Auditorium. So rent the theater, get it all booked, everything. And m- my crowd is notorious for buying tickets last minute. No, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. Oh, no. So the show was on a Friday and on that Monday, we show up in D.C., and there's 700 tickets sold, which is still a good number, yeah. but 1,400 is where we need to be, yeah. or at least like 1,000. We want to make our money back. Yeah. Argus, from Monday to Friday, not only did we sell the 700, people were knocking at the doors. We want tickets. We need tickets. Me, Ahmed, and Aaron were backstage, like, paying the other comedians and just going, like, guys, we own this now. Yeah. And it was the best thing. So we took that, and then we shot it. It became a Comedy Central special. And then the next thing you know, we start getting calls from people in the Middle East. Yeah. Because this was 2007, and this is right when, like, Facebook, YouTube was really starting to take off. Yeah. And I remember, this is when, before Facebook and social media wasn't as hot. So what would happen is somebody would send you a clip in an email, and there would be 100 email addresses, and you were just on these email lists. Suddenly, my clip from the Access of Evil comedy show, which aired once on Comedy Central, kept coming to me and people were going, look at this guy, look at this guy. And I'm like, I'm this guy. I'm this guy. <laughs> and the next thing you know, it's taking off. And then we get a call from some guys out of Jordan and they're like, hey, we would like for you to come do the show in Jordan. So somehow it got into Jordan. And we're so stupid. We're like, listen, bro, we'd love to, but you know, the show's in English. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm speaking English to you right now. <laughs> you, you stupid idiot. <laughs> so... Ahmed, Aaron, and I got a whole tour together. There was a guy out there in uh, in, in Dubai who worked with a, a cable network yeah. uh, named Jamila Bawarda. He brought the show. He helped. He and Ahmed. He knew Ahmed. Ahmed's always been very good at be, being the business side. Yeah. And he really like he knew Jamil, and they helped us do the uh, get the show on cable over there. It did well, and then they booked this five country tour. It was twenty seven shows, uh, thirty days. And I'll tell you, Argus, it was the craziest thing. I really, like, over, as we flew over the Atlantic, I felt like once we landed, we felt like the Beatles. Because (laughs) I swear, it was this audience that had been waiting for us. Because no, first of all, there hadn't been any comedians from America that went to the Middle East to do shows for the people of the Middle East. Right, right, It uh, It was always for the troops. For the soldiers, yeah. We went and did it for the people of the Middle East. And secondly, we were talking about issues that were on their minds 
And suddenly we land in Dubai and they go, yeah, we're going to have a press conference. And I'm like, who's coming to our press conference? <laughs> and we show up and there's like 20 different news outlets. They're asking questions and they're like, how does it, you know, what is the, temp you know, what is like doing comedy in America? Will they allow you to do it? And how do you represent your people? I'm like, I represent my people. What are you talking about? <laughs> so it was crazy. So it was this really cool thing. And, um, and one of the shows, even the King of Jordan showed up. Wow. And that was a trip. The, having the king, a king come to your show, that was a trip. Did he get good seats? He got... He, <laughs> 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 he, I, I scalped the tickets. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, that one was a trip because the king of Jordan, they, um, be, be, for security reasons, they couldn't tell you if he's coming or not. Right, right. So what had happened was originally we all got an email from an office gang, and the email simply said, the King of Jordan would like your, your mailing address. Yeah. And I, uh, I got that, and I freaked out. I go, oh my God, what did I do? Did I piss off the King of Jordan? Is he sending someone to kill me? What is this? <laughs> so we all, we all get on phones, and, and uh, Ahmed and, and Aaron and, and the fourth guy who did it with us was a guy named Dino Bidala out of New York. Every one of them had gotten the same email. And then Ahmed at the time had a P.O. box. I go, Ahmed. Let's give them your P.O. box. <laughs> that way they can't attack us. <laughs> Let's see what happens. We give them the P.O. box. We all get these letters from the King of Jordan saying, you know, I saw your special when I was in the States. The King of Jordan is actually Western educated. Oh, yeah. Um, and, if, and if you guys actually go to YouTube and put King of Jordan Star Trek, he was a Trekkie fan. His, his mother was Miss North Carolina or something. Uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, 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 and he was a Trekkie fan. So there's a, uh, uh, there's a clip of him as an extra in Star Trek before he became the king. Wow. It's, a, like, it's at the beginning of some scene, the, the, the main guys are talking, and you see King Abdullah of, of, of Jordan walking, like going like this and walking off. <laughs> it's the coolest thing. So this dude, super cool, sent us a letter saying, I saw you guys are special. I'm a fan. If you're ever in Jordan, let me know. So we stay in touch. We get to Jordan. And then his you know, his uh, liaison or whatever right. it was, they, they, they were in touch with us and they're saying, the king, no, they didn't say the king, they say, there might be a person tomorrow at the show, therefore, no filming allowed, uh. and we, will, we can't tell you who, we knew that's what yeah, it was. Yeah. And here's the crazy part, so we had done, we were doing four shows in Jordan, um, and Ahmed was the host, right. and what happened was, the first show we did, we show up, and they'd made, they turn it into a show show. So we show up to do our stand-up show. They go, listen, before you go up, we have a violinist. Oh, He's no. going to go on stage. This is the first show, before the king came, yeah. the first night. He's going to do 20 minutes of violin with, with cool pop music. So they would be playing some pop music, and this guy's... <laughs> and it was crazy, and the Jordanians loved it, and they were taking smoke breaks and stuff. And so before our show, we had this guy. So I went, okay, that's great. So then the night, so then the night when the king's coming, we all anticipate there's going to be the violinist, yeah. and like let's say the show's supposed to start at seven thirty, but really the comedy show starts at eight. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm in my uh, uh, my hotel, and the hotel's right next to the venue. I'm trying to be all calm about it because I always close the show. Right. So I'm trying to be calm. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go down right away. I'll wait till the show starts. I'll go towards the end. Da 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 da. And the next thing I hear, I hear boop 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 boop. boop. I look out. There's a uh, a motorcade pulling up in front of the hotel. And I start getting chills. I'm like, oh my God. And I see people, you know, before the motorcade stops, people are jumping out of cars. Yeah. They're jumping out of cars. I'm like, oh my God, the king is here. Now I'm like, my cool is gone. I'm like, put on your tie, get down there. So I go downstairs and I go out in the streets. Now the 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 the, the king has been uh, taken, whisked off to wherever. Yeah. I go downstairs, all there is are soldiers in the street. 
I don't speak Arabic. I told you I'm not an Arab. Yeah. Iranian. <laughs> we speak Persian. Um, so I'm going to like, there's these soldiers and I'm like, this guy doesn't know who I am. So I'm going up and going like, uh, salam alaikum, comedian, comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy doesn't care. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, go, go. Yeah. I, go, I go, security's not that Some good security. around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I walk around to the green room. I get in the green room. There's Aaron. There, I'm there. Aaron's there. And Ahmed, who's the host, knows there's going to be a violinist for 20 minutes. So he's like coming down. He'll be there shortly. So we're sitting there. Suddenly the promoter, he's a Jordanian guy, the yeah. promoter, he's a local, right? So right. he walks and he's sweating. He's like, okay, we have to get started. We have to get started. We're like, dude, calm down. You got a violinist. Oh, no, today no violin. What do you mean no violin? There's a, the guy. We, no, no, no. Today when the king sits, the show starts. Oh. <laughs> and then without, it's just like Mitzi. Just like Mitzi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And now we're like, we're like, oh my God, we gotta let Ahmed know when the king sits, the show starts. So we all take out our phones, and back then it was like those the little flip phones yeah, you had to oh do. God. We tried to text, and we realized all of our phone lines have been blocked because nobody wants anyone detonating a bomb with their phone because the king's right there. Yeah. So we're like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? I'm, we can't reach Ahmed. And so Aaron and I were like, okay, so you go first, you go host, and then Ahmed can go. Da -da -da. And as we're doing all that, Ahmed's like strolling in, he's like, what's up, guys? We're like, what's oh, up? Yeah. What do you mean, what's up? <laughs> when the king sits, the show starts. <laughs> you know. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone knows Everyone that. Everyone knows that. Yeah, he went up oh. and he killed, and we had a great time. It was great. Well, it was great. Tell, tell what what's coming up next with your TV stuff. So currently, I have my Netflix special. It's called Immigrant, which I shot at the Kennedy Center in 2017. Wow. Yeah, and that was a cool thing to be able to go into Trump's backyard, and I do a lot of material about. You know, I do a lot of political stuff, and, and so I do a lot of material about being an immigrant, uh, growing up in America as an immigrant. Yep. I do a lot of kid material. I do a lot of material about politics and stuff. And then in the meantime, I'm touring, and uh, and I'm also uh, uh, got a pilot, sketch pilot I'm working on. So always hustling. I would yeah. say we're, we're, we're the consummate entrepreneurs. The, uh, the promos for your ABC sitcom. Uh, the there, was, there, was a, there was a CBS show I was on called Superior Donuts with, yeah. with uh, Judd Hirsch, Katie Seagull, the, the, David Koechner. The promos Koechner. looked really good on that. Yeah, well, they, they canceled it, so it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we did two seasons, and I'll be honest with you, it's funny because I've now been on three or four canceled shows, and this was the longest. This I'd never gotten to season two, yeah. so it's, people would ask me, they'd be like, what's it like working with Judd Hirsch? What's it like working with Katie Segal? I go, look, I'm an actor of Middle Eastern descent. We're used to dying in the first season, so <laughs> getting to season two is... Uh, I got one, one serious question for you. Yeah. Uh, the media is exploding into 400 different TV stations and all the outlets now. Yeah. Uh, is there is there a difference between the recognition you get when you're on a network TV show now versus what you get from Netflix, or is it kind of the I guess, same? I'll or? be honest with you. I don't know if network TV shows carry the same weight that That's they what used I'm to, That's right? What I'm so I have like I do uh, an NPR talk show called Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, which is a it's a, a show where they lampoon the week's news every yeah, week. Right. That's got its own set of audience. Yeah. Uh, I did the Netflix special. People come from that to my shows. I did a, I did a couple of TED Talks, and one of those is the, like on, online. I think it's got like nine million views. I was I was in a I was in an airport in Sacramento or San Jose. I forget where it was. And this African dude, straight up like African from yeah. Africa, he comes running. He goes, "Hey, you are that guy from the TED Talk? I've seen you before, man. Really good, man." I was like, "I'm going to Africa." 
so, so all the ancillary uh, outlets now have just as much recognition for you as the, the sitcom. Because I think that the people that watch certain things like that or your podcast or whatever, they're passionate. They know you. They yeah. love watching you on a weekly basis. You're coming to them. That's so what we're you, working on here. Yeah, so when you go to do a show somewhere, they're going to come see you. Whereas when you're on a sitcom, first of all, half the time they don't even know your stand-up. Yeah, right. People go, oh, you, oh, that guy does stand up. Oh, I mm-hmm. thought he was that, you know. So, the, and and then also depending on what network you're on, like CBS tends to have an or, older demographic that probably isn't going to go to live shows as much as, yeah. let's say, if again you were on a Netflix show or an HBO show or something, right. you know. So we hustle, baby. We yeah, hustle. you bet. Well, yeah. God, you're great. Give it up for Miles Jabani, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with Kirk Fox, Miles Jabani, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Love you, ladies. Welcome back to the Comedy Store tonight, starring Argus Hamilton. We've got a very close friend of mine who is one of our real crowd killers here at the Comedy Store. I don't know about that, but that's, that's nice of you. I'm still trying to figure out which camera I should be looking at. This guy is from San Diego. I, I, see, you, I see you didn't want to help me with that. Not at all. And Argus, I know it's live, so... The world heard me ask what camera. <laughs> that's your camera. That one? Yeah, that's I your like camera. that. All right. You see, I know, I know is... we don't have a lot of time, so I just wanted oh. to make sure I'm in focus. Well, <laughs> this this guy's very used to cameras. He's uh, been, I guess, the star of Rush Hour, uh, cop show on CBS. I wasn't the star, but I definitely felt like I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Semi regular on Parks and Recreation. I uh, got his. Uh, your special out is it Showtime now? Uh, I do have a special on uh, Showtime called, called That Guy. I think it's on Amazon now and Hulu. You can find it. And, but first, you got to know and remember, you got to know it's Kirk Fox, ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you, buddy. Good to be here. Um, this Thank is you. exciting, man. And I heard it's live, but I also heard there's a seven second delay. So if things go off track, we have seven seconds to, to clean it up. I don't know if you can do any cleaning in seven seconds. I saw how you avoided my first question. <laughs> Self-centeredness, the key to every outfit. It's all right. I feel like I'm killing. You know, I got to uh, attend your wedding in, in Santa Monica. Is that Monica. you? I saw you there. Yeah. <laughs> the services were conducted by Kevin Nealon. Who yes. is a licensed minister from the Universal Church of I'm, the I'm Internet. I'm wondering, he may not have been licensed. Really? <laughs> I'm thinking that there's still a way out of this. <laughs> <laughs> there might, I don't be, think there so. might be a loophole, for sure. You married a beautiful lady, and you, you're a proud... She you. was beautiful. <laughs> that, was a, that was a year and a half ago. You live with me for a year and a half, you're going to lose a lot of your looks. <laughs> I beat him down pretty quick. You, uh, <laughs> you've got a beautiful child now. What's that like? Uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, she's uh, seven months now. Yeah. And I think, I'm, I'm thinking she might be a Russian spy. <laughs> because whenever she reads a page of a book, she tears it out and eats it. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's pretty consistent. <laughs> She hasn't read anything that she hasn't eaten. <laughs> so, when you're changing diapers, you're seeing a lot more roughage. <laughs> uh, it's a good time. 
I like it. She's very long. But she, uh, she continues to grow. Really? Yeah. I'm hoping she stops soon. But seven months, that's a good size. It's like a 30-pound salmon. <laughs> my, I tell you, my problem is yep. the clothing. Yeah. You buy it, and then within a week, grows out of it. <laughs> so you're just wasting money. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a way to just keep her in a bag. <laughs> just, just something. She likes tags, so if I can just get a big paper bag, just put a tag on it. Yeah. She'll be she'll be fine. Well, Argus, not everything's going to be a laugh. That was just a serious moment. <laughs> Well, I know your wife works, and of course you work. She does work. I, I don't work that much. You, you like, play, this to me feels like work. You kill crowds, you play tennis. I do play a lot of tennis, somebody's I play a lot of golf. Watch, somebody's got to watch your daughter. Uh, a couple days a week, someone comes in and keeps an eye on her while I golf. <laughs> I'm a stay-at-home dad, but I've always kind of been a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. It's just that now there's a child involved. <laughs> you got a nanny, I, I presume. I would like to think it's a nanny. <laughs> someone shows up and money is exchanged at the end of the day, but <laughs> I don't know if this. We're not into labels in my house, <laughs> so I'm not going to call her a nanny. But someone watches her, and she seems pretty good at what she does. How'd she find a nanny? Uh, she's a bartender here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty easy to find. Yeah. But she, she's always there when I need her. Here and at my house. <laughs> And you didn't think anyone could follow Maz Gibran. Axis <laughs> <laughs> of evil. Yeah. I tried to put one of those together. Just yeah. kind of axis of just nice. Yeah. Just some guys from San Diego. That would be you, me, and any other Anglo-Saxon that's doing stand-up. I don't know what Anglo-Saxon is. You say it a lot, but it sounds white. Yeah. It does. It does? It does. All right. And what is Maz? Huh? He said Middle Eastern descent. Is that his Pers new thing? Persian. Okay. I never knew. I never knew. So this is educational. Yeah. <laughs> you look at me like you're trying to figure out where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> Argus, I've had a talk show. It, it just goes. <laughs> Before you know it, it's over, and it was a success. <laughs> Don't overthink it. All right. Okay, you were raised in San Diego. I was raised there. And you and Polly were friends in, when you were like late, late teenagers or something. No, it started up here. Really? I didn't know him down there. Oh, I if I had known him in San Diego, I would have never come to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just seem to remember you all hanging out at La Jolla or something at the comedy store. We met, we met up here. Yeah. And uh, I liked the fact that he had a club here and free yeah. drinks. And it seemed to be a lot of girls around. Well, no. I wasn't afraid of them then. No? You're afraid of them now? I think it's... I think every man is. Yeah. It's a tricky time to be alive. That's, it. That's why that seven-second delay, I'm pacing myself. <laughs> I just don't know what you're going to say. Why is it particularly dangerous for a, to be a man right now? 
Well, you just got to make sure you're extra respectful. Absolutely. I make sure I... I never take my own penis out. No. That seems to help. As long as that's a good rule. That keeps you out of court. As long as you're never taking it out yourself, yeah. what are you going to argue about? <laughs> I told you where it was. You decided to make the effort. Those cell phone cameras don't lie. They do. They do. Remember that. You can, you can doctor any footage. <laughs> We're going to make this thing look good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the applause. I know what I'm doing up here. <laughs> this is my target group. Twelve people just ready to be anywhere. <laughs> so what's going on with your career? This. Yeah? yeah this is it, man. I'm trying not to do too much heavy lifting. Right. <laughs> when you say what's going on with my career, do you mean really? Yeah, I mean, nothing. you've got television coming up? I have nothing coming up, really? and I like that. Yeah. I've done enough where if I never worked again, I'd say, hey, man, I, I did enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to do anything. So, you, so I'm doing that. You absolutely <laughs> murder audiences every night at the comedy store. You, I would you've say got an obligation would, would, to it's grow. Not as, it's not as murderous as you think. <laughs> you leave pretty quick. And the, la and the laughter you hear is me just saying something about you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever seen me follow anyone else, you'd see it wasn't... Murder. Now I've seen I've seen you follow me in the original room and the main room. The crowds love you. You no set them, what you, you set them up nicely. Marcus. Well, they're they're very comfy. Well, I know, but then you just destroy them, and you should you know have more and more. I think you should do a different Netflix special every year. Okay. Well, if you're ready to produce it, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> Don't you make enough money here at the Comedy Store to produce your own Netflix series? I think so. I think you can make it. A special now for under a hundred dollars. That's second show Friday money. It's not bad. I, I like the you know a lot of people complain about it, but I think twenty dollars is a good number. Yeah. <laughs> We're up there fifteen minutes. Yeah. You're making a dollar and almost six cents a minute. Wow. And that's more than I'm making tonight with you. <laughs> Well, there's the, the exposure you're getting to all well, our viewers. I, I don't want exposure. So, no. So this was pretty awkward. Are you, on the, are you hiding from the law? I'm just hiding from everything. Running from your past, aren't you? And my future. <laughs> What's the best crowd you ever had in your life? This one. Right. Yeah. 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 I think uh, i got to tell you, any crowd that that shows up and is listening, yeah. I think you can turn any crowd into the best crowd ever. Oh, I've seen shows what you and I did at the Comedy Store La Jolla. Those, that's, that's your stomping ground. Those were good days. And that's a 240-seat room, perfect acoustics, and you blow the roof off. That was place. mostly family. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I grew up, so yeah. I'd have trouble if I couldn't kill that room. Yeah. Uh, That's I, like I, me just, I, I just like crowds. I mean, 
I've had great sets and I've had some bad ones. Oh, yeah. The crowds were, were great even during the bad ones. Now that I've said that, I don't think I've had a bad set because I'm trying to so remember either. where I don't that could have so been. Sure well, gets quiet in here sometimes. I'm trying to get you to cough up what TV series you're working on. I know you Well, I'm not working on any right now, but uh, I did an episode of The Connors a couple weeks ago. And I, What'd you play? I played a sex offender. <laughs> that seems to be my wheelhouse. Yes. I mean, I, I'm not a sex offender, but I seem to have a lot of the qualities. <laughs> what My qual mustache, I like shadows. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this, and I was thinking about this, and uh, when I was eight years old, yeah. I mixed up a, a wishing well and a glory hole. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I remember I threw a quarter into the glory hole. Uh-huh. And a, a penis popped out. <laughs> but in my defense, it's what I wished for. <laughs> I, was, I was a lot more fluid yeah. back then. Yeah, there was nothing like Mardi Gras in those days. No, but I think, I think it started as a young man, yeah. my penchant toward uh, deviance. Uh -huh. So that's why most of those roles are for me. Like, whenever I'm on TV, by law, I have to notify my neighbors. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty close. That's, that's a sex offender. Man alive, you're great. And I was on NCIS a, a month ago. Yeah? So what, I am working. What did you play on NCIS? Sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at my IMDb, it's just not a lot of names, just a lot of descriptions. <laughs> Creepy guy, sex offender, killer. <laughs> That's all right, man. I, I don't I don't mind. I got the market cornered. <laughs> it's amazing to me how the audiences find you so funny, but producers find you terrifying. No, I used to do some comedy, but yeah. they don't really give me that lane right now. Yeah, that's that's their problem. Well, I, I what I want the audiences to know here in Los Angeles that no one creates and writes more material than you do. You know, I mean, you just I you, write a lot, but I just don't finish that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I I can write a joke, but I have trouble finishing a, a script. Well, I still think you could pound out a Netflix special oh, I can pound year. out a lot of things. That's yeah. why I play sex <laughs> A Netflix special a year, that's what you need to be doing. I think you're the next Carlin if you'll work on it. Well, I'm not going to work that hard. Right. <laughs> After all, we're us. Yeah, I'm okay right where I'm at, but I'm putting together another hour. I already have it done, so I'll shoot it. You I'll, have shoot, a, I'll shoot it next year. You have a beautiful wife and baby, and uh, I've met them both and love them both. And love you, buddy. Argus, thanks, th thanks for being thank you for having me here. This was probably your highest rated uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you back in a couple months. Okay, thank you, buddy. Kirk Fox, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, buddy. Kirk Fox, funny man. Thank you. Kill it, buddy. What I do. Welcome back. How about a hand for our guests tonight, Maz Jabrani and Kirk Fox, ladies and gentlemen. Weren't they fantastic? 
And uh, listen, I love these guys. Love having you with us and love our studio audience. Uh, I want to per personally thank uh, Lauren Taines, uh, owner of uh, the Barney's Beanery, famous here in West Hollywood, for personally producing me. I want to invite you all particularly to come back with us on January 8th. Next Tuesday's Christmas, the Tuesday after that's New Year's Day. Then on the 8th, we resume shooting, and we'll have a tremendous show, uh, including a great comedian, Tom Rhodes. So we'll see you back then. In the meantime, I'm Argus Hamilton. Welcome to the Comedy Store. I love you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Great job tonight. Great work. You all look great. Wow.